Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. Those of you who listen to my radio show knows that tells you how many guests we have. I have a great buzz quote for you from Biz Stone. I never heard of him either. Christopher Isaac Biz Stone, born in 1974, an American entrepreneur, and he co-founded Twitter and lots of other internet-based services. Here's the quote. This will set us up nicely. When you hand good people possibility... They do great things. Just let that sink in. Those are words to live by. Here's what we're talking about today, and this is a very special, very timely episode of the Kinetic Enterprise. Times of uncertainty like we're in now mean it's time to unite and time to evolve. How can you, in our business channel listening audience around the world, how can you pull together the community that is your business? How can you get all of the people and all of the pieces of your organization working together toward common objectives and collaborating effectively with impact? And the key there is with impact. Well, let's talk about what's going on in the world. Many organizations today have pressing questions about supply chain disruption. We know it's a reality. Cash flow strategies, also a reality, and new work strategies. Yes, yes, yes. Meanwhile, the importance of maintaining and building your customers' trust and loyalty grows every day. So we're going to talk about the path to organizational resilience, what it looks like. I have, I'm very privileged to have six Deloitte leaders here today. Words of wisdom are going to abound in this conversation. Let me tell you who they are, and I'll ask each of them to introduce themselves. So first up in a moment, we'll be hearing from Darwin Deano, who put together this stellar panel, and we're also welcoming Jim Kilpatrick, Erica Volini, Jason Des, John Cheramella, and Andy Main. They're going to talk about these topics, and they're going to share fresh insights on what it means to be a built-to-evolve kinetic enterprise today. So our topic today is the kinetic enterprise, navigating the business implications of COVID-19 together, unite together. That's what we're talking about. I am your producer and host, Bonnie D. Graham. Let's go around the table. Darwin Diano, in case there's a one person in the world who doesn't know who you are. Darwin, why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll continue around. Go ahead. Hello, Bonnie. Uh, hi, this is Darwin Diano. I am the Global SAP Chief Technology Officer and I'm very glad to be here. Darwin, what's your role in all of this? You put together this panel. How do you know all of these really, really smart, savvy people? Just tell me. Well, the panel of executives that you have here are thought leaders in various fields uh, within Deloitte and have been sharing perspectives on what it means uh, for businesses to thrive. So very, very excited to hear from them. And uh, I think a lot of people will find this very useful. Thank you very much, Darwin. Always a pleasure. Jim Kilpatrick, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, Thanks, Bonnie. My name is Jim Kilpatrick. I'm a partner in Deloitte based in Toronto, Canada, and I'm currently Deloitte's global supply chain and network operations leader. Jim, did you agree with my comment about the importance of maintaining and dealing with supply chain disruption? Is that now more important than maybe ever in the history of the companies we're talking to around the world? Absolutely. I've, I've been with Deloitte since 1990, and I got the chance to live through some pretty exciting times, the ERP boom, reengineering Y2K, the internet and e-commerce boom. But I can tell you that uh, what we're dealing with now has elevated supply chain you know, to a board level, certainly CXO level topic. 
And, uh, you know, I look forward to the opportunity to help companies not only respond and recover in this crisis, but really thrive in the next normal. This, this has never been a more important time for supply chain. Thank you. Words of wisdom already, Jim Kilpatrick. Erica Volini, you were on a Game Changer show with me a couple of years ago. Welcome. Why don't you tell everybody what you do and what do you think about all of this? Hey, Bonnie. Great to be here. Um, I lead Deloitte's global human capital practice, which means we deal with anything and everything related to an organization's most important asset, which we believe is their workforce. Um, I believe we're clearly at a time of, of massive change. And I think the biggest question that organizations need to ask themselves is, um, you know, will we be able to sustain the actions that we're taking right now into the future? And that requires embedding them into your culture, into your ways of working moving forward. And I think that's going to be the pivot point um, that we see for organizations as they shift from responding to thriving uh, through the pandemic. I like the optimism there. And Erica, in my opening, I talked about new work strategies. These are totally new work strategies for many companies. Would you agree? Absolutely. We're seeing every part of work completely being upended, challenged, innovative, innovated, and changed. And I think in, in a way, um, if we look for a silver lining, that's incredibly exciting because we're seeing the power of what humans can actually do at work. Thank you very much. And let's move around the table. Jason Des, welcome. Jason, please introduce yourself. Hey, Bonnie. Uh, thanks very much for having me on, uh, on the show. Uh, so I lead our finance and performance practice uh, for Deloitte globally. Uh, and where I've spent most of my career is assisting senior finance executives address many of the informational and transformational challenges they face and their functions face. Um, it's a really interesting time now, very stressful time. And I think for a lot of finance executives at organizations, it's a mix of how do I play defense uh, to support the short-term needs of the business and how do I also get on the offensive and look for opportunities to grow as we recover out of the crisis. Thank you, Jason. Did you like my comment in the beginning about organizational resilience? That is one of the keys for everybody, right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, resilience is such such a good word in times like these because, uh you know, you need to be resilient to keep the business moving forward, but you also need to be resilient and stick to the plans and strategies you made and look for opportunities to thrive. Oh, I like that. That's another good word, opportunities. Thank you. John Charamello, welcome, and let's hear a little bit about you, please. Thank you for having me on the show today, Bonnie. appreciate mm-hmm. it. I am a partner with Deloitte out of Cleveland, Ohio, and I am responsible for our global core business operations where we deal with uh, major items such as building large uh, systems for our clients, uh, helping them move to different operational models, and probably of uh, importance to a lot of folks today is moving to the cloud. And when we think about the quote that you mentioned at the beginning of the show today, we're seeing organizations rapidly respond to remote working, getting things done, not at their local office, and moving Mm -hmm. to the cloud that we could never have imagined before COVID-19. Interesting comment. That that uh, bringing up cloud, I think that's actually brilliant. Thank you very much. Great point, John, and we'll be talking more about that later. Thank you and welcome. Andy Main, how are you? Please talk to us. What do you do and thoughts about everything we're talking about today? Andy? Yeah, Bonnie, thanks, and thank you so much for having all of us on your show today. Um, so, Bonnie, I'm the, the global head of uh, Deloitte Digital. And what we do in that part of our business is we take a human approach to helping our clients deliver exceptional experiences to their customers. And taking a human approach certainly in 
the COVID era we're in is very desperately needed because as society shifts to this next normal, uh, customer behavior is certainly changing and businesses everywhere have to adapt to that. So looking forward to uh, telling you more about that today. Thank you, Andy. And you brought up another very important keyword, human. Very, very important. Andy, just let me ask you, did you agree with this Biz Stone quote I opened with, when you hand good people possibility, they do great things? Yes? No? What do you yeah, think? To- totally agree, Bonnie. I think when people get together, amazing things happen, just like your show today. <laughs> Touche. Very good, Andy. Thank you. So good to hear all of your voices. And I hope I'm just going to say I hope you're all well and safe. Now it's the part of the show where each of my esteemed panelists has sent me an interesting quote, not about the topic specifically, but from a book, a movie, a song, something interesting. I will read a little bit of the attribution, the background of each quote very, very briefly, because we want to hear what each of you, how you pick the quote, and now you can relate it to the topic. So first up, Darwin Diano picked a quote from H. Jackson. Brown Jr., full name Harriet with two T's, Jackson Brown Jr., born in 1941. He's an American author best known for his 1991 inspirational New York Times bestseller, Life's Little Instruction Book. And here's the quote, when you can't change the direction of the wind, adjust your sails. Darwin, take two minutes. Tell us how that relates to our topic, please. Thanks, Bonnie. I I picked this quote because it has an essence of, you know, moving forward, positivity, right? Adjust and just move forward, keep going, because you can't control the wind. And, you know, it, it's synonymous to what we're facing with this pandemic. And, and I really think it's applicable to, um, to the business world as well, right? To figuring out how to adjust their sales, adapt, evolve as necessary uh, to, to make the most out of the situation and keep moving forward. And Darwin, I'm going to do a play on words here. Forgive me for this, but sales in the quote is S-A-I-L-S. And you think about business today in the COVID new normal, and you can think of substituting the word S-A-L-E-S as well, what you have to do to keep your business afloat. Am I okay with that one, Darwin? Uh, spot on, but, but but I do think it, it's much broader than that, right? Because um, uh, the, the demand uh, equation is a part of it. The supply mm-hmm. as well. But um, as Erica will, will cover later, the, the, the people element, you know, the, the, the trauma that this yes. extreme situation created will, will have long-lasting implications. And we all have a duty across all those dimensions to adjust our sales. Thank you very much. Beautiful quote. Jim Kilpatrick, you're next. You sent us a quote from Vince Lombardi, Vincent Thomas Lombardi, 1913 to 1970, American football coach and executive in the NFL National Football League, best known as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers during the 1960s, where he led the team to three straight and five total NFL championships in seven years and won the first two Super Bowls at the conclusion of the 67, 66 and 67 NFL seasons. Don't we wish there was a season right now? Here's the quote from Vince Lombardi. Perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. I love this quote, Jim. Tell me how you picked it for our topic. Well, you know, there's there's uh, so many great quotes out there, but, you know, I think in this time, one of the mantras I've been using with all my people and with my clients is perfection is the enemy of good. And mm-hmm. so that's the first part of the quote is that uh, we need we need to move fast. And if we spend too much time trying to get to perfection, we're not going to move quickly enough in this, in this crisis, which has evolved faster than I've ever seen anything before. But the second part of it is, though, if we chase perfection and you know, we can catch excellence, 
what, what I do find is that, you know, there's a lot of people that are making directionally right statements, you know, blanket statements that can be more precise, can be more tuned. So I'm encouraging people to move with speed and then to iterate. And I'm seeing that through this, some companies are actually finding ways to really, uh, you know, accelerate to what I, I call the next normal in many cases. And I think that was alluded to in some other people's comments. Thank you very much. Great quote. Really appreciate that. And that's those are words to live by, aren't they, Jim? They're words to live by whether you're in the, the new normal, the next normal, the previous normal, any abnormal. These are words to live by as far as, as what you said. Yes. Uh, I think we could, I like to say, I think Carla has heard me say this on many shows, we could crochet that on a pillow and use it as words to live by and pass on to many generations. Thank you very much. Erica Vellini has sent us a quote from Winston Churchill. Lots of names. Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill, British politician, army officer and writer, the Prime Minister of the UK from 1940 to 45 when he led Britain to victory in World War II and again PM from 51 to 55. And here is another great quote. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Erica, how'd you find this one? Great quote. Yeah, I mean, I, I how'd I find it? Um, you know, how do you find anything in this world? Google, of course. But, um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, I love this quote because I think right now we're all trying new things, right? Because we're living in a world that we have never lived in before. And we're, we're trying new ways of working. We're trying new ways of living. And not all of them are necessarily going to work. Not all of them are going to make us feel good. And we have to keep trying. We have to keep moving on um, and keep adjusting. And I think those continuous adjustments, that's what's going to drive innovation. That's what's going to open up possibilities, opportunities, the word John used earlier. That's what's going to unlock the imagination of what can be. And I think that's the only way to get through something like this is to not just think about getting to the other side, but think about the other side is going to be totally reimagined moving forward because we all had the courage to think differently um, in a way that we wouldn't have otherwise if we didn't have this crisis staring down at us right now. Um, and oh. so I think that it's really relevant to what we're facing. Thank you. All true. And the word that jumps out at me from the quote, Erica, is courage. We talked about resilience. We talked about unity. We talked about moving forward. But courage, I think that's what it takes for everybody to hunker down, step up, find that resilience, find that core value of moving ahead and the courage to continue. That's a very human statement. Thank you, Erica. A really great quote. Jason Des has sent us a quote. Jason, it's the first time Beverly Hills, whom you're quoting today, I think has ever been quoted on any of my radio series. Beverly Hills, for those of you who don't remember, and I forgot she passed away. She was. She lived from 1929 to 2007, an American operatic soprano whose peak career was between the 1950s and 70s. Uh, she sang a repertoire from Handel to Mozart to Puccini, Massenet, and Verdi, but she was known for her performances in coloratura soprano roles in live opera and recordings. Anybody's never heard her voice, go find a recording somewhere. Here's the quote Jason has selected from Beverly Sills. You may be disappointed if you fail, but you are doomed if you don't try. Jason, good one. Talk to me. Hey, Bonnie. Yeah, look, th this quote, I think, um, you know, I really like it because it applies both uh, in the times we're in now, but generally uh, for a lot of organizations because uh, you don't, if you don't try, you will not be able to move the ball forward in whatever you choose to do. Um, and if you look at where we are right now, and I really like uh, the word you used before about resilience, and, and Jim also mentioned speed. 
mm-hmm. a lot of organizations can get paralyzed in times of stress and times of uncertainty. And I think the organizations that are able to move forward, um, set plans, move, move on those plans decisively, but also understand they need to adapt as they move forward um, are the ones that I think will be most successful or weather the storm the best. For those that don't try, um, you know, they don't give themselves that opportunity and they may be paralyzed and find themselves in a difficult position as we continue to move through um, unprecedented times. Thank you. And there's another key word in there. You mentioned the word decisiveness. We're picking up all kinds of great messaging here. Thank you so much. Great quote. John Cherimella has a quote. I want everybody to do this now. If anybody doesn't remember the Vulcan salute, I want you to put your hand up and I want you to raise it with the palm forward. I want you to extend the thumb and part the fingers between the middle and the ring finger. Vulcan salute. So the Vulcan salute was devised by, of course, Leonard Nimoy, who portrayed the half-Vulcan character, Mr. Spock, on the original Star Trek television series. And in 1968, an interview in the New York Times described the gesture as a double-fingered version of Churchill's victory sign. That harks back to our Churchill quote, Erica. So here is the quote John Charmel has selected. Live long and prosper. John, I think you just summarized everything into four words. John, how in the world did you find this one? Love it. Well, Bonnie, besides being a huge Star Trek fan, uh, there's two things that really come to mind. The first is given the social distancing that we're all encountering, you, know, you want to greet folks. And sometimes, you know, even the, the elbow touch doesn't work. So, uh, you know, the Vulcan sign of greeting, I think, is a way to keep social distancing, but, but still say hello or goodbye to, to folks you may encounter, given that six-foot perimeter we need to maintain. Um, the second thing is, if we think about Star Trek, to me, it really had two main themes. It was about innovation and about hope. And hope comes through innovation. And given these times we're in today, we're seeing huge innovation across the world within organizations both at the local level, you know, and, and at the world level. And I think through this innovation, we're going to find uh, incredible reason to hope about a better future when we come out of this in the end. I love the word hope. Thank you. We're keeping it very, very human today. Thank you. Great quote. Everybody in the panel, uh, you can just nod your head. I know you all made the Vulcan salute. I know it was perfect. I did it too. Thank you very much. Andy Main. Andy Main has sent us a quote from Robert Burns from 1793. This may be the oldest quote so far. And it's from a poem titled Scott's Way Hey. And I'm not going to attempt to read the Scottish dialect here, but the line is, and Andy will explain Explain it. Now's the day, and now's the hour. Andy, please tell us. Beautiful. What's the quote? What does yeah, this mean? Yeah, well, yeah yep. thank you. Well, that, that quote, that line was uh, written over two hundred years ago, for an event that happened over seven hundred years ago, and it was about um, a Scottish leader heading into battle, right? But uh, the point is that the the quote, uh, "Now's the day, and now's the hour," really reflects the human spirit, the sense of urgency to get into uncertainty. And you don't know quite what's, you don't know quite know what's going to happen, but you know if you all work together, work together hard, figure things out like we're doing right now and have that sense of urgency, we as a global community can defeat. So that's why I thought it was a highly applicable quote for uh, what we're going through today. It's a wonderful quote. I want to say a thank you to each and every one of you for taking the time and making the effort to pick quotes that were 
are inspirational words to live by. So appropriate in all the wonderful key words. And Andy, in your quote, now is the time. Absolutely. Now's the hour. Now's the day. Yes. Hope, resilience, forward motion, innovation, courage. It's all there. Thank you all. Now is the part of the show where each of my panelists, in addition to picking great quotes, each has sent me four statements about their interpretation of our topic today. And if you're just tuning in, this is The Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And our very special topic is The Kinetic Enterprise, Navigating the Business Implications of COVID-19 together and together is so important right now so i'm going to go to darwin's first statement darwin i'll read a little bit of the statement actually i think i can read uh, the whole thing and i'm going to ask you to take about two minutes to expand it for us and then we'll very quickly go around the table and have everybody add their comments then i'll pick a statement from jim and we'll go around the same way so darwin told me the following before the show he said there is an under appreciation of the fact that the lead time to quote return to normalcy unquote will be quite protracted. Darwin, I'll let you finish the rest of the statement in your own words, please. Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, so I send the statement because um, I do think, you know, I love optimism, but there's also, there's a, there's a fine line between optimism and, you know, being naive about the fact that this is different, right? So I, I love um, the reference to next normal or new normal, because the cumulative effect of the infection, the casualties, the abrupt isolation, among other things, will linger for some time. And we all need to recognize this and navigate it together. Um, I was reflecting on this before our, our podcast, and you know, I really wish the concepts behind kinetic enterprise being built to evolve remained an aspiration as opposed to what it is now, which is a business imperative, right? We need to evolve business to adapt to this next normal, um, as, as referenced earlier, right? Business continuity is no longer a one-time event. It becomes almost like anticipated as a normal operating mode, right? So in, in this next normal, I think one of the key things that businesses need to realize is that, you know, this is not, it's not going to go away overnight. It's, it's going to continue and things will be different and we need to know what's different um, and be ready for when something like this happens again. Let's hope not. Let's go around the table. Jim, thoughts quickly on what Darwin said. Agree or disagree or expand? Go ahead, Jim Kilpatrick. Yeah, full, fully agree, Bonnie. I, I've, I've been looking at a lot of the economic forecasts that Deloitte's putting out and obviously it will vary by country, by region, but we are looking at in general, you know, most forecasts would say a, a return uh, to growth, you know, a, a massive contraction economically in Q2 and a return to growth sometime in Q3. Some economists might say Q4. So that says we're, you know, we're in a shrinking period for a while. But then when you look at when do we recover, when, meaning when are we back to a, a growth mode that uh, was, was, you know, just not too long ago pre-COVID, you know, it's likely mid-2021 is what the economists are saying. So, you know, this is, this is 12 months from now, uh, which means we're living in a you know, firstly, a massively disrupted period, then a recovery period that's going to last, you know, give or take 12 months, you know, by most consensus type forecasts. What I've been talking to my supply chain uh, clients and colleagues about is the fact that, you know, this is going to be a very disruptive period. Firstly, you know, we have to respond and mitigate risks uh, at this, this time. We have to then put our eye to the recovery period and sense the signals 
of the recovery. And then ultimately, we'll see the light at the end of the tunnel and be into a mode where we are moving to the next normal. But, you know, for the next while, this is going to be a turbulent and dynamic environment that we all work in. And, uh, you know, many companies have to juggle, you know, the, you know, you know, all the turbulence that's going on, not only about the flow of products, but the flow of cash and then leveraging the flow mm-hmm. of information. It's going to be protracted. Thank you. And you had the word growth in there, and I think that was the optimistic key. Thank you, Jim. Erica Vellini, please comment on what Darwin started and or what Jim added. Go ahead, Erica. Yeah, of course. I totally agree. I think we have to be realistic around how long this is going to last. And I think the the point is, is that, you know, we can't be, oh, you know, it, it's woe is me now, and, and I'm just going to wait for things to get better. I think the, the the message for organizations right now is how do we start to to make change, and how do we start to take advantage of embedding that change in our culture every single day? Um, I think we're seeing great things happening um, on the front lines of organizations, whether it's the use of virtual work practices, whether it's people getting together more frequently, whether it's leaders and managers asking their employees how they're doing um, on on a just on a regular basis, unprompted by a scheduled meeting, um, whether it's tapping into workers' imagination on how they can um, completely reinvent the way they're doing work today. These are all hugely important shifts. And so um, I don't think we have to wait for the end of this in order to make those shifts part of the way organizations work moving forward. I also think um, seeing the human side, you mentioned the word human earlier, and how we're seeing CEOs and other leaders really step up and, and care for their workers. This should be another shift in culture that hopefully can be sustainable. So um, I, I just think we have to be asking ourselves, how do we embed this in our culture so that it doesn't go away when we get to the light at the end of the tunnel? Um, I think about it a little bit when they often talk about I'm a new mom, so this resonates with me. They talk about when your baby's under the car, right? You know, if your baby's stuck under the car, a mom could have superhuman powers and lift that car up. It's like in any given moment, you can almost do anything. um, If there's something, you know, that's pressing that you have to solve. The question for organizations is, how do you turn that into something that's sustainable for the future? And I think that's the best way that's going to give us optimism as we head towards that light at the end of the tunnel that Darwin talked about. Thank you, Erica. Great words of wisdom and optimism again. Jason Des, you're up. Thoughts on what Darwin started and or. Go ahead. Yeah, look, Bonnie, I couldn't agree more. Um, Darwin uh, struck a chord with me when he said business continuity is no longer a one-time event. Mm -hmm. Um, As a very simple example, if you look at uh, the media industry right now and and streaming services, um, the, the, the increase in growth in streaming services over a short period of time and then traditional media, cinemas, others, um, you know, the, the business disruption and, and continuity is different for two different sets of organizations. And, you know, I thought Erica said it very well. And she said sustainable. So what's sustainable today may not be sustainable tomorrow. Um, and if you're a finance executive, how do you help your business plan and prepare for that? How do you scenario plan? Um, how do you allocate capital? Because those decisions you're making in the short term are around survival, but longer term, you're making strategic bets about where the organization is going to move and where some macro uh, trends are going to take you. Um, so I, I think it's absolutely on point and something that's top of mind right now for all executives, but certainly finance executives are uh, having to make some, some really key decisions in a short period of time. Very well said. Thank you, Jason. John Charamella, you're up next. Hey, buddy. I, I agree with Darwin, but I also think that 
our return to normalcy is going to be maybe a little bit more difficult to gauge because it's going to look very different than it did before uh, this outbreak. I think job descriptions will change. I think the way we perform tasks in certain organizations are going to be different. Uh, I think services uh, that we receive uh, are going to be different. So organizations are going to adapt and evolve and they're going to innovate as they figure out how to best uh, return to an optimized state. And so uh, if we're looking for things to be exactly as they were, I don't think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see uh, a, a new future as we move forward. I like the idea of a new future, and let's hope it's a very, very good, positive, robust one. Let's see what Andy Main has to say. Andy. Yeah, so just to build off what um, Joan was talking about, and also Darwin and others about this next normal, uh, what we're seeing on the customer side is that the, the needs that people have uh, remain the same, but some are becoming much more important than, than, than others right now in terms of uh, getting around safety, uh, your food, your online learning, your wellness, of course, and, and how you basically run, run your life. And businesses everywhere need to adapt to this next normal and change their business practices. No business is exempt from this. And every business has to adapt or change or even innovate. And there is opportunity uh, amidst all of this to businesses to innovate and do things differently and to do different things with their customers. And we're seeing that, for example, like in education. I think uh, all of us with children and students, they're always working at home and learning from home. And like online learning at home is, is the next normal that's here. And in turn, companies are having to be, their supply chains have to be much more agile to get equipment and phones and connectivity to people globally everywhere as this next normal takes shape. And we're seeing this everywhere. Uh, people are reluctant to be in groups right now in case they uh, catch the coronavirus. And as a result, contactless customer experiences are building everywhere in terms of delivery services, streaming of instructions to do things. And we're seeing an innovation in technology such as augmented reality to help people through instructions to fix things, install things, do tasks that others might have done for people. So innovation is starting to happen. And we're seeing it every day. And that to me, Bonnie, is very, very encouraging signs of hope from what we're going through. Thank you. And Andy, you used encourage, and we talked about courage before. I like that pairing. Thank you. Darwin, great start to the roundtable. I'm going to move on to Jim Kilpatrick. Jim, we've already talked a little bit about supply chain, and I'm looking through your statements you sent before the show. I'd like to move to statement number four. I'm going to read the beginning of statement one. I'm going to link it to four. I think this will be exciting for our listeners. You say, supply chains have become highly sophisticated and vital to the competitiveness of many companies, but their interlinked global nature also makes them increasingly vulnerable to a range of risks. And let me jump to statement four. Now, this is where we want to bring in the optimism and sustainability. You say, fortunately, technology is also making the evolution of the supply chain possible, which Andy just touched on a little. Technologies like IoT, Internet of Things, cloud computing, 5G, AI, 3D printing, and robotics are all critical to enabling the digital supply network of the future through end-to-end. And I'm just going to stop there and let you pick this up. Jim, this is a great way to look forward. So, Jim Kilpatrick, you're our supply chain expert. Go ahead. Oh, thanks for giving me two statements and one there, Bonnie. <laughs> um, so, so what what I would say is that over over the past while, past two decades, really, as as supply chains have become global, you know, uh, people in my profession have done their best to optimize manufacturing and distribution networks, drive out inventory, 
you know, ensure those assets are running at maximum. And, and really what that's done uh, from a physical perspective is that it's taken out a lot of the buffers in supply chain that traditionally existed. But, you know, let's be clear, when we come out of this, it would be hard, any organization would be hard pressed to tie up money in extra inventory, in extra capacity that wasn't absolutely needed. So, you know, it reminds me that the supply chain is more than just the flow of products. Certainly, we're reminded right now it's the flow of funds that follow those products. And so, cash flow is an absolutely, you know, critical thing to look at, as I'm sure Jason Dess will, will remind everyone in a second. But there's also a flow of information. And, and that's really about how do we use information and technologies to increase organizational resilience without the traditional overhead of physical buffers. And when I look at, you know, the concept of accelerating many of the great things that are going on, we've, we've got lots of work going on in Internet of Things technology to move to cloud computing. As John mentioned earlier, you know, artificial intelligence applications that allow us to predict issues, prescribe actions, and to respond before events happen. You know, there's, there's technologies in play now in 3D printing being applied to producing face shields for healthcare workers. There's physical robotics going into distribution centers and manufacturing sites that can enable operations to continue to run without people or with people being remote, which could be essential in a crisis situation like this. So I'm very excited about the opportunity to digitize supply chains and leverage information end-to-end -end across multi-tiers of suppliers right through to the ultimate consumer, you know, to drive a much more resilient supply chain without that traditional overhead associated with physical buffers. Thank you, Jim. And I tell you what, I'm looking at the clock and we have so many good topics to cover. So what I'm going to do is pick a couple of statements from each of the panelists around the table and have you each be our specialist on that topic. So Erica Vellini, I'm looking at your comments here. I'm going to combine a little bit from number one, two, and three and ask you to expand this. I think this is great about the future of work. You say, to recover and thrive, shifts in organizational culture and DNA are required. There's never been a better opportunity to start to transition to the future of work. Now is the time not to reinvent, but to reimagine work. Erica, let's do this from the human capital perspective. How do we change? How do we move ahead in terms of the organizational culture and the DNA right now to be resilient, to have courage, to encourage, to see the growth in the future? Erica, go ahead. You're going to be our expert on this. Yeah, what, what I think is is really exciting right now. And, and the word I would anchor on is potential. I think what we're seeing right now in response to the pandemic is what people are capable of at work, what their true potential is, because everyone's responding um, and, and using the best of their thinking, the best of their creativity, the best of their imagination. That's why I use the word reimagine to, to step up and do things differently. And you might not see that on a person's resume, right, when they apply. You may not see that in, you know, their list of skills that's sitting on your, your organization's knowledge management system. It's just what's in them, people's potential to, to do things that they might not have ever done before. And that's a big shift in organizations' culture that I think we need to see organizations embracing is how do they re-anchor all their processes and programs not to be based on what a person has proven they can do, but based on what a person has the ability to do. And that um, adoption of potential and really capturing that and pushing people to their, to their limits, to helping them to reimagine the work that they're doing, um, giving them the ability to think about 
their current set of tasks and activities and say, how can I do this differently? How can I use some of the new technology that Jim and John have been talking about and apply that to my everyday work so that I can be more productive, so that I can free up some of my capacity to add even more value? That type of reimagination and tapping into people's potential, that's what's going to allow us to really evolve business strategies, bring back the productivity. So to me, that's what it means to shift into the future of work. That's why I think it's about reimagination versus reinvention. And it really comes down to that human element that we all keep talking about, which is tapping into true human potential. Because even though we're living in a world of incredible amounts of technology, it's always the human potential that's going to ultimately move us forward. Thank you, Erica. Great words of wisdom, and I love the focus on human potential. That's what we all have to get through this to the other side and realize our potential. Jason Das, you're up next. Jason, I'm going to read a little bit from your statement one and two. This is another shift to the finance topic here. You say, borrowing from the lessons learned from the SARS outbreak in 2003, the 2008 recession and credit crunch, there are a number of ways finance executives can respond to these difficult times. And you add, finance executives need to play defense and offense to deal with COVID-19. Both elements had different actions, timing, and levels of focus depending on the health of your organization. Jason, as they say on the news, let's unpack this, please. You're going to be our finance executive specialist. What do you see? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I think that, um, you know, picking up on the offense and defense uh, side of, of the equation, um, there really is, I think, two different, two different lenses here that need to be taken. The first is defensive. How do I ensure uh, the continued operation of my business? And that will be different for every executive, uh, finance executive across every industry. Um, and there are lessons to be learned from the past. So um, thinking about your variable costs, if you're in a capital intensive business, revisiting your capital investment plans, shoring up financing, um, working with your suppliers to extend payables, um, from a receivables lens, uh, ensuring that your customers still have good credit. So there's some very tactical things that can be applied. Um, and just picking up on the thread of technology, uh, the thread, should I say, of technology, um, technology has enabled you to do this um, much more efficiently as well and get better insight. So absolutely leveraging the tools around you to the to the maximum will help you move through that. If you look at the offensive side of it, um, a number of organizations and looking back at both of the previous crises have come out stronger and accelerated their business. And there's a lot of value opportunities either in what you do today, as Jim mentioned, or looking at adjacent businesses moving forward that may not be as strong as you or may not be as well positioned. So how do you start to plan around those scenarios now? Uh, Forecasting and scenario planning is such a key tool in allowing you to look both at um, you know short-term survival strategies, but also long-term value in assets and in macro trends. Um, and if finance executives can balance those two and play it successfully, they have a unique position in enabling an organization to thrive coming out of the crisis uh, and position or cement their business in an even stronger way. Um, and if you look at scenario planning as well, some of uh, some of the tools, some of the drivers and ability to provide that insight and bringing in macro resources now and crunch data in ways that weren't available back in the previous crisis really can allow you to accelerate and provide insights to the business that just otherwise weren't available. 
Thank you very much. Very interesting. I'm going to move on. Keep this moving around the table. John Charmella sent me the following. This is interesting. He says, in light of the current COVID-19 situation, it is clear that organizations need to plan for the contingency of, wait for it, a data center shutdown. Even if the physical infrastructure is available, there may not be people to operate it. Let me add a little bit from statement two, John, and then you can respond. You say many organizations have strict SLAs in place with service vendors, that's service level agreements. In times of crisis, they need to determine which critical business services require adjustments to these SLAs. John, very important. Talk to us, please. Sure, Bonnie. So you know, given the situation we're in today, not being able to go into their normal work location, this equipment may be there, but the ability to access it you know, is very limited. So uh, whether that means moving to the cloud and being sure that your critical systems are available so, you, so organizations can continue to service uh, their customers, uh, or, or even things like back office systems and being able to produce payrolls. And those type of of things are absolutely critical. So having contingency plans in place where uh, key parts of the organization can be operational, uh, whether it's a a COVID-19 type situation or, you know, God forbid, it's some type of physical disaster. Uh, So those type of things are absolutely critical for organizations to plan. And a lot of folks look at it and say, well, that will never happen. Well, in this day and age, it's become clear that anything can happen. And tying, tying in with those is you know, organizations, rightly so, have strict service level agreements uh, for many of their systems, uh, both critical and non-critical. And when you're dealing with a uh, population that may not be able to function at the optimal productivity levels, then organizations need to say, when do I need to adjust my service level so that I'm balancing, as Andy said before, the experience for my customers and the service my customers need uh, with making sure the right parts of my organization can run. I think we've all experienced, well, if we've tried to either call the airlines or the bank, the wait times that they're experiencing, uh, in cases like this, those are situations I think where many organizations can say, let me divert resources from non-critical areas to critical areas so that I can ensure that the service levels that are absolutely key to maintain uh, the flow of goods, the flow of services uh, are, are still there and are maintained at the level that you know, continues to enable the organization to run. Thank you very much. Very interesting because this is we're talking about sustainability in the here and now, aren't we, John? Being able to keep your infrastructure and your data center going right now no matter what. True? Absolutely. It, it needs to continue to go. I mean, everything is based on data today and the flow of information. And if that gets shut down, it's very easy to see how things can come grinding to a halt. Interesting. And another sidebar here, uh, a sidebar, I'm thinking you might be getting different data than you anticipated right now. Your data may be coming in different ways from other places about things that you didn't think were critical to your business. Any quick comments about that, John? Am I, am I onto something here? You're absolutely onto something. And I think the data that if organizations can take advantage of the data that's at their fingertips and see how their customers are reacting uh, mm-hmm. to the situation, whether it's demand of different items, which goes into the supply chain uh, that, that Jim was talking about, if it goes to the way they're accessing funds or the need for certain monetary uh, 
situations, then that goes to what Jason says. So it's, it's more uh, the organizations have the capability to react quick if they are taking advantage of the data that they get from the various systems and are prepared in order to interpret that data in the best way possible. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks. I like to say thanks for indulging my question. I appreciate that. Andy Main, you have got such an interesting statement here in your statement number one and number two that gets really to the core of who are we all on this call? We're people. You're all experts. You're all obviously niche experts in, in what you're talking about today and in so many things as leaders at Deloitte. But Andy, I think you have synthesized the whole thing. Let me read statement number one. I'm getting goosebumps reading this. Andy says, the priority human needs that are emerging from our crisis, what is important to people is showing getting around safely, showing up, getting around safely, wellness, family, home and food, money, communicating, learning and entertainment. In our current crisis, the priority needs of people have emerged. People have greater tolerance for inconvenience, less tolerance for being in groups and the sharing economy. And here's the clincher. And he says the new normal that is developing as a result of those priority human needs. Go ahead, Andy, take this because this is, I think, a great way to wrap up this portion of the show. By the way, everybody, crystal ball predictions come next. Andy, talk to us. Let's put this in very human terms, please. All right. I'll I'll try and be human, you know, or maybe I could (laughs) take on... Maybe I could take on that Spock uh, persona, you know, the, the uh, John, wasn't, wasn't he kind of human too, really underneath, you know? Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but Bonnie, this is the crux of it, right? Because yep. businesses everywhere and organizations uh, really end up serving human needs. Everybody does that. Even if you're B2B, uh, what you might produce ends up being consumed by people somewhere on this planet. And this crisis has really you know, amplified what's important to, to people. When you strip it all away, like it was a bit of paint on a door and you take the paint off and you see the grain, what, what's left, right? Uh, that, that's really what I, I believe has emerged at the moment. And when, when you look at it, um, businesses need to resonate with these needs and people's behavior is changing. So people are much more tolerant of inconvenience now. And even from my own, own perspective, um, I'm going to make him bread at home, right, which, which is super interesting. And I did click and collect. Uh, so I showed up at the grocery store um, with, without having to walk in. And, the per- you know, the person who is my hero now sort of runs out with, with the goods and puts them in the trunk of my car. But guess what, right? The, the flour that I'd ordered wasn't the flour I got. And, but I didn't care. I didn't care about that brand. All I cared about is that, hey, I got the flour to make bread. And I think that... Mm-hmm. It's happening everywhere. People are more tolerant of inconvenience. People don't are less worried about the brands that they might they might engage with. What they care about is what they get, what they need, and maybe what they, they actually sort of want in that moment. So I think this is starting to take shape in society, Bonnie. This um, tolerance for less convenience. Uh, maybe brands don't matter as much so long as people have that need fulfilled as as to what they need in that moment in time. So, Bonnie, back to you. Thank you, Andy. Couldn't have said it better. And, Andy, it just happened that you were sixth on the the order of the presenters today, and this was such a great way to cap everything we've been talking about. Safety, 
wellness, family, home, food, money, communicating, learning, entertainment, and what are our human priorities and how can businesses address those, whether it's keeping your company floating, keeping your supply chain going, keeping your work strategies, reimagining your work, everything that everyone has said led to this part. Thank you so much, Andy. Guess what, everybody? I saved, now listen up, one minute, that's 60 seconds for each of you for a prediction and I'm going to go back to our topic and ask you all this will be our lightning round and then we'll wrap up so again we're talking the kinetic enterprise navigating the business implications of COVID-19 together and that's what we're doing on the show today so let's go around the table Darwin you're going to set the pace here 60 seconds what's your prediction I don't care if it's for five minutes after the show for next month for 2025 how far ahead can you look Darwin Deano 60 seconds go over the next 90 days 120 days um, however long this pandemic lasts um, I think there will be a great period of healing. Um, and yes, um, there's a lot of suffering and a lot of um, uh, unfortunate um, uh, consequences of everything that's happened. Um, but I do think that, you know, overall, um, the human spirit will be elevated. We'll be better equipped to help our businesses evolve um, and it, it will just be a, a, a much better world. So, so really looking forward to what the world will look like in, you know, two, three, six months. Um, I think it will be exciting. Thank you. Good word. Exciting. Jim Kilpatrick, 60 seconds, all yours. Go. I think, uh, th- I think this crisis is going to, going to remind us that inside organizations, cross-functional teaming and behavior is absolutely critical. The silos that have existed between functions will be broken down and it will be absolutely essential as we recover that sales and operations and finance work in a very integrated way as we, we work you know, IBP-oriented processes. I think it's also going to remind us that if we just take care of our own interests in a supply network, that we're sub-optimizing and that multi-tier visibility is required and recovery is going to require orchestration not only within your business, but with your key trading partners and often multi-tiers deep to really come out of this strong. So I think this is going to lead us to a new digital supply network world where technology enables end-to-end optimization, collaboration, and synchronization, which has been a dream for many supply chain managers, uh, but I think will be a reality over the next few years. I like the prediction we're going to come out of this strong. Thank you, Jim. Erica Vellini, you're up next. 60 seconds. What do you got to say? Yeah, I'll start with the word. I think we're going to come out of this um, more human. I think we're going to have a greater appreciation for what humans can do in the workplace. And even living in a technology world, I think we're going to realize that organizations need to remain distinctly human. And there's going to be a greater pull for, um, for human capabilities, more respect for what humans can do. I think it's going to open up new jobs I think many jobs and roles are going to change dramatically. I think we're going to see, you know, if we compare the, the, the titles of the jobs on the, on the biggest job boards um, from before the crisis to after the crisis, I think we're going to see a massive shift. I think it's going to create um, better opportunities or something that we call super jobs um, for individuals where technology plays a part, um, but human skills are amplified. Um, I also think we're going to see a new crop of leaders emerge 
Um, I think that won't be seen immediately, but I think if we look out in the next five to 10 years and compare the CEOs and the characteristics of the CEOs in the future to the ones we had historically, um, we're going to see a, a different set of characteristics. We're going to see um, CEOs and, and even you know, leaders in government who um, expressing their emotions, um, bringing empathy to their jobs. Um, like we're seeing with some of the governors that are responding to this crisis right now that have really garnered the spotlight. I think we're going to see that in, in, in the uh, corporate world as well. And I think it's going to be really exciting. So I'm looking forward to a world um, that, that, that becomes more human um, and that really values what humans can contribute to work every single day. Thank you, Erica. Jason Das, you're up next. 60 seconds. We're right on target. Go ahead. You know what, uh, Bonnie? I think the financial implications of this are immense. Um, and, you know, make a prediction that in the next year, 10% of brand name businesses we know today um, will no longer exist or play a much uh, smaller uh, lens in our world. And there'll be 10% of new businesses that we have never heard of that will come to the fore um, and will be now household names within their respective geographies. Uh, and it's just a reminder to all of us that change is omnipresent. And if we don't address it decisively and um, come up with strategies to deal with it, um, we won't be successful. Thank you. John Cheramella, you're up. 60 seconds. Go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. I think coming out of this, we're going to see that when folks think about the cloud, it's not going to be, oh, that's a technology thing that, that I need just to remote work or to stream videos. It's going to be a realization that that's the way to respond to situations like this a lot quicker, whether it's getting product to market faster, whether it's changing the way that services are provided, or whether it's the simple things like I need to provide a class to seventh graders remotely and get the materials and quickly adapt to uh, the change we're seeing. So I absolutely think the cloud is going to be viewed as an enabler for a transformation to the new way of doing things. And I think we'll come out of this with a much greater appreciation for our healthcare workers. Mm, thank you. Appreciation. Great word. Andy Main, you get the last prediction. 60 seconds are all yours. Go. All right, Bonnie. So we've got to get back to being in groups and getting back into buildings and hotels and planes. We've got to get back to society and working as humans together. Um, but I think that comes with a, a next normal. So I think in the next, you know, three months, um, we'll see um, health monitoring and tracing and tracking of us as people to know it's okay to be with other people. Um, and, the, and of course, this will probably be the case until a vaccine is found for a current mm-hmm. crisis. But that's what I think is going to happen over the next uh, few months here. Thank you very much, all. I cannot thank Darwin Diano enough. Darwin, you invited uh, an extremely articulate, engaging, and savvy panel. Everybody behaved very well in the sandbox. This was great. I learned so much from each of you. I can't thank you enough. One of our absolutely best episodes here. And I have to do a shout-out behind the scenes. Malia Aguilar does such a wonderful job putting these shows together, along with Carla Neil Slavin and Helen Tomas, all at Deloitte Ladies. You did did a superb job in Darwin. You rocked this one. So thank you, everyone. Uh, it was just a, a superb episode. So I'm going to say thank you to everybody. Let me get your names here in front of me here. Darwin Diano, Jim Kilpatrick, Erica Volini, Jason Des, John Cheramella, 
Andy Main. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve. And that's what we all need to be today as humans, as people in a culture, a society, a civilization, as members of a business community, or just bystanders. Let's get together, let's unite, and let's tackle COVID-19 together. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. Be safe, be smart, and be well. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.